Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 17. As the New York Rangers now have won seven in a row, they defeated the Blackhawks last night 6-2. They have the Colorado Avalanche tonight at Seven Bells at home, which will be the biggest test of the season thus far. We'll see how they do on a back-to-back against one of the most dynamic teams in the entire league. And then... We have Buffalo, Nashville, and Colorado again to kind of round off the middle of December and heading into the true holiday season. But first, I have to ask Andy, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Just uh, Rangers keep spinning and winning. They've now, like you said, they've won uh, seven of their last uh, seven seven in a row. What have they won? uh, Ten of their last 11 or nine of their last 11? Uh, one of those two, <laughs> and they've set a There's franchise so much winning, record. I can't remember. Yeah, they have their best uh, start throughout 24 games in uh, franchise history, which I didn't know until they tweeted it out officially last night, which is pretty impressive because especially thinking back to right after they went to the Cup, they won the President's Trophy the following year, and they were, that team just was winning games left and right. So the fact that this is the best start they've ever gotten off to is, yeah, really surprising. But um a welcome surprise, obviously, because even some of the other teams that have been hot have leveled off a bit. The Canes have been a little bit up and down recently. The Flames have been a little bit up and down recently. Um, Dallas, who looked abysmal to start the year, even though they they were one of the Rangers, their second loss on the year, uh, has been rolling. The Rangers have obviously been rolling. uh, And obviously, Colorado has been rolling. So yeah, tonight's a real test for this team, but they're going to have to lose at some point. And if it's against the Colorado Avalanche, you know, on the one hand, you'll have people in line to say, oh, well, the Rangers only won against like subpar teams and they can't win against good teams or whatever. But the same point is like you have to play the teams that are in front of you and uh, the good teams drop uh, games to subpar opponents all the time. It's, it's how it happened, you know, but uh, the shark, we beat the sharks pretty handily the other night, although they had good looks, but the sharks just uh, clobbered uh, Calgary last night. So. It, that's just how it is. You just have to play. You can say all you want about you know quality of teams, but yeah, you just play the teams that are in front of you. And I I also remember uh, prior to the meeting the Canes in the bubble, we absolutely clowned them in every game we played them in the regular season, only for them to then just make embarrass us in the bubble. So yeah, a good test for the Rangers tonight. But they just keep their winning ways no matter what happens in the course of these games, going down goals, having. Yeah, they just don't let it rattle them, and they just keep keep on winning. They keep on keeping on, never too high, never too low. So, uh, yeah, like I said, status quo. They just keep winning. Yeah, and you kind of feel that we're playing together, right, as a team. I mean, you look on the bench after a goal is scored, and the whole bench is, you know, kind of laughing and, you know, goofing on the play that might have happened. You know, last night, Reeves had a couple assists, and you just saw him and all the smiles that he had and the rest of the team kind of just you know, you know, laughing and having a good time. They're they're as loose as you could possibly be, which could eventually turn into one of their downfalls because, you know, eventually, like you said, you're going to run into a team and it's just going to be the perfect storm. And unfortunately, I 
I think that perfect storm might be tonight against the Avalanche. You're uh, on the road last night with a later later start. You come back. It's probably 2 a.m. You have to get up, start your day. You got the Avalanche that probably have been in town since last night. They wake up in New York City. You know they're energized. They're hungry to win. They've been you know kind of rolling. Uh, McKinnon, I think, only has one goal on the season. Did I hear that last night? Um, of course, either Joe or Sam brought that up, and I'm like, well, thanks a lot because now he's going to have a hat trick tonight. Yeah. Uh, you know, Georgie's in net against you know one of the most lethal teams in the league, and it just seems like if- uh, well. Uh- Wait, I don't know if you know this, you, James. But no, I don't rumor, know this. There's a rumor going around that uh, Adam Husko will be starting in net tonight. You know what? I love that game. move. Me too. I, I love it. I, it's a that kid. You should. I mean, Gallant should be telling that kid. Listen, there's no pressure. This is one of the best teams in the league. You know, one of the favorite teams to win a Stanley Cup. I want you to go out there, have fun. You know, see the puck, do your thing. You know, play like you would if you were playing for the Wolfpack tonight. Like, no pressure here. Like. Don't feel like because we have a winning streak that this is there's more pressure on it. Forget the winning streak. Forget what we've been doing. Just go out there and have fun. Like you're right now. I know this is crazy, but I'm going to say this is like a throwaway game. Whatever happens tonight, I'm not going to have any emotion. If we win, that's great. But if we lose or get crushed, it means absolutely nothing to me. I'm not going to, you know, begrudge anybody or anybody on this team. It's just. It's one of those things, you know, it's coming. The Rangers are eventually going to have to lose. You know, it's coming. Yeah. And this is a brutal, what a brutal turnaround is. They even send the broadcast. They're not getting home until maybe two. And when I say home, they're probably not touching down in New York until 2 a.m. ish. So, you know, they're crawling into bed. Uh, I doubt they're having a pregame skate because of that. They probably just told everyone, you know, sleep in, do what you have to do to to recoup as much as you can. and especially coming being pumped off of a win, I'm sure it was hard to sleep on the plane if they were amped up or whatever. But yeah, I mean that, like you said, James, I think it's if 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 it is honestly, I don't I don't know if I'll mind either way because again, Georgiev has been, uh, despite struggling with his confidence issues, clearly each win he has looked a little bit more a little bit more composed. You know, especially rebounding after two uh, two goals that were. Yeah, you know, one I he pretty much had no chance on, it. and another one that's kind of a, a breakdown in front of the net and a bang bang, and just kind of not being able to clear sight it. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Huska ultimately is the right move because again, I think if anything, it would be easy for the Rangers to to say to themselves like, you know what, we're tired, we don't just just don't have it tonight, and they're a good team, and it, it could snowball on them quickly. But if you put a kid like Huska in net. I there there is almost like a little bit of an onus of like this is his kid's first NHL start. Are we gonna like let like lead him to the slaughter, you know, against the the Avalanche? Um, and if you remember, uh, just two seasons ago, Shesterkin's first game was against uh, the Avalanche, who scored two quick ones early, but then the Rangers kind of worked their way back into the game. So, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who's in net for the Avalanche because as awesome as they've been with their goal scoring, they've been lighting teams up. They haven't exactly been very good defensively, you know, and you could say that's because they've been playing like their third and fourth string goalie. And but I just think because they play that run and gun up tempo style, I think you can definitely if you if you're smart about it, I think you can definitely uh, you and you maintain your structure. You they their goals there to be had, especially by this Rangers team that's starting to actually put the puck in the net now and run up scores and the fact that they can also stay committed they, they their structure seems to improve as the game goes on it's just those first periods so far for them seem to be uh you know they ha- they'll have a push and then they'll early and then all of a sudden they'll kind of like they'll fall off a bit but then work their way back into the game that seems to be the the natural pace that their games take right now so yeah i mean i won't be mad if they lose because uh, again if they look sluggish i'm going to say of course their schedule has been brutal and they just keep winning and they were due for a loss and you know especially at home where they have an awesome record so but if they win i mean i'm you know i'm going to be an insufferable guy you know to any any of my friends who are fans of other teams you know yeah and you know a key for tonight and you know obviously this this podcast will come out after the game but you know if you're listening to this right now i really hope and i really want to see the new york rangers kind of still have control along the boards with the puck. I mean, they've been doing that so well and it just it kind of, you know, distorts 
their you know their opponent. You know, you saw it last night with the Blackhawks. They break it breaks down. The defensive structure breaks down so easily if you're able to win, you know, um, you know, pucks along the boards. And you saw it with, you know, even Kako just being able to, you know, kind of fend off that first guy. And now that second man needs to commit. And there's a whole rotation that goes on. And the Rangers are just so skilled that they can get the puck to the open man and generate shots. And, you know, that's what they're going to have to do against the Avalanche if, you know, generate Generate, you know, possession time along the boards and that will, you know, hopefully, you know, draw a couple penalties and, you know, you can chip away on the power play and special teams will be certainly important tonight. But, you know, just the Rangers play right now. I mean, they're playing a style that's that's going to you're going to win against the good teams if you're able to continue, you know, that type of pressure, especially if you can control the puck along the boards. I mean, that's when so many penalties happen, whether it's a high stick and or whether it's a hold or or, or trip or or and then you know even if there is no penalty called on the play if you can just beat that first man with a spin move and that second man has to commit that all that automatically opens up someone on the other side of the ice so uh you know the rangers have been doing just such a good job in the offensive zone and you know andy i wanted to bring bring this up i i honestly don't remember the rangers being this good in the offensive zone in like a decade i know i mean obviously they're off to the best start we've ever seen in franchise history but you know this does not look like any of the new york rangers teams even when you know they were competing for a stanley cup with you know we've just never seen this type of offense yeah i mean the rain the story in the rangers for the last few years and still their goals for although recently has been increasing their average goals for for regular season play is down but obviously their goals against is also down because of that. And this, the Rangers have been a very feast or famine off the rush team for the last few years, which is, again, great in the, the regular season. But we know what happens in the postseason when things clog up. You need to be able to be set up in the offensive zone and grind teams down and find and generate and create your own time and space. And even though this is a play that technically happens off the rush, you've seen the Rangers just murdering teams on the cycle once they're already set up. It's not they're not rush plays. And even when they are, it's not just a quick bang, bang off of the rush. You see uh, that first goal, Panarin comes in, he curls quickly to the middle of the ice, uh, raises his leg, kind of like TJ Oshie did uh, two seasons ago, kind of kicks Pan- to knee Panarin's, uh, oh, excuse me, Panarin he lifts his knee to, to, to ward off uh, Patrick Kane's stick check, curls in, and then Truba, who is trailing in as the obviously the last man in the zone walks to space and then takes the shot uh you know Panarin does creating a wake for him and they've done that they've used their bodies to set uh pick plays and traffic into open lanes and to just to you know just generate chaos in the offensive zone and it's working and even once uh after they scored the the empty net goal or Panarin scores his empty net goal for his uh his fourth point of the night uh you see that fourth line still gets to work and wins board battles and are just, and that's what happens after, after the Rangers score a goal or concede a goal, they put uh, Turk puts the fourth line out and they've just been going to work and they are finally getting rewarded with some goals after the, it was a little fe- feast or, you know, there was a little famine for them earlier in the season, but now they're feasting, you know? So uh, yeah, I've never seen them look this competent set up. Obviously their power play is, is just clicking right now. They're, uh, yes, they're making they're passing the puck like a lot like they usually do, but they're also keeping teams. And I think you saw the tale of two goals last night on the power play. You have, uh, you know, just the chaos and the passing and the passing and the passing, and then a breakdown in front of the net. And Zmanajed makes that extra little chip pass to open space for Panarin just to walk in and just put it in, in an empty net where literally every, you, know, you see Flurry and uh, a Chicago defender just have to lay out to try to make the save and just can't do it and then yeah fox just uh they're passing around Kreider sets up in front of the net and just soft lob on net and he's looking for him and he gets him and beautiful tip right uh right under the uh the, either the i think it was the blocker of flurry and yeah they're just they're confident and they're just not overthinking it they're just playing now and i think that's why their metrics have looked so much better and they're working their way in after a pretty looking pretty bad to start they they're clearly just getting better and they're getting more comfortable and the kid line continues to generate offense and even if they're not scoring they're drawing penalties and 
they're almost like an energy jump line. You know what I mean? It's almost like getting grinded down by the third and the fourth line. And, he, and then just if, you, if those two lines are doing that and keeping you even, and hell, even the fourth line potting some goals, uh, especially once you got a guy like Adam Fox in the mix, and, and we'll talk about Reeves uh, to assist in a second. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a winning success because even the first, the Mika Kako, now that Kako's on that line, his, his defensive stick and his uh, puck thievery in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone is keeping the puck in longer and helping impede breakouts. And that time is getting more zone time because they were kind of a one and done shot off the rush uh, line for a bit, even when they had hunt there but uh i think they've just this clearly they've found so much so much of a better balance and the team is rolling right now that's all i can really say yeah and and you really feel like they can just pl- throw out any three players and they, they would be you know they would be fine because they all kind of buy into the system they all are aggressive along the boards um i mean you even see panarin i mean could anyone buy into a style of play more than artemi panarin and it's obviously paying dividends I mean, he was going for like a, they were making jokes, you know, the uh, Gordie Howe hat trick, you know, a goal assist and a fight. And, and you, you know, it's pretty funny to, to watch Panarin play that physical game and not be afraid to throw a big hit. And, and it's funny because, you know, I, I just feel like I, I, I don't obviously don't know this for sure, but I feel like if, you know, Panarin's throwing these hits and he kind of threw, you know, a boarding one, uh, I forget who that was against, but um, it was kind of a scummy hit. But, you know, does he throw that hit if Reeves isn't sitting on the bench? I mean, no one's going to go after Panarin because if you go after Panarin, Reeves will go right, right after you. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, they have all the confidence in the world and they know they can kind of chip back and kind of be scummy back in a, you know, in in a way of which, you know, they can just take over the game and beat you physically and mentally and, uh, you know, throwing hits around knowing that they have the best fighter in the league sitting on the bench. Yeah, and listen, I you want to talk a tale of two teams. Obviously, the the Truba hit on Kara last night was real scary and really unfortunate. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, you listen. You can say what you want about um, what was it a, a legal hit? Was it illegal? What was the initial point of contact? I mean, and you can also call me a homer. I mean, I I just see Kara keeps his head down for a really long time he's taller than truba truba doesn't really leave the ice it looks to me more like he gets him in the shoulder but then obviously his head is tucked and he's leaning forward so it looks like either his a combination of his uh as he's going through the hit his either his helmet and then what's after he kind of gets knocked then his the follow through it he might get him a little bit with the shoulder i don't know but again uh, Jones gives Kara an absolute suicide pass, and Kara literally spends three seconds prior to the hit looking at his feet and benched over, hunched over, which you can't do. I mean, and again, I'm more than willing to have conversation with people w- about whether or not they should outlaw open ice hits like that, or do it, or sh- whether or not they should be in the game. Uh, under, I think, under what the NHL rules are currently, and there's a reason it wasn't called a penalty on the ice. And it's, I, I don't know if Trouba is going to get any supplemental discipline. I don't think so. I haven't heard anything. Um, I think, and you know, they even explained it and, but that happens and there's like a mini scrum after, obviously it's more important that they, you attend to, to Kara who's still down and he's not getting up. That's not the time for a fight when they need to get people out on the ice to attend to a player who's just down. You know what I mean? But then in the rest of the game after that, no one goes after Truba. No one goes after any of the Rangers players for them. But then what happens in the corner? Uh, at one point, Dry, someone boards Dryden Hunt, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the Chicago players. And Strom, from 30 feet away, throws his helmet on the ground and literally goes after the guy like a honey badger. <laughs> and that's, where this, that's the biggest difference between these two teams right now or where they're at. because. The Rangers are playing like they're hunt- they're hunting. They're aggressive. They're they have a pack mentality. They're teammates. They stick up for each other. And Strom, who you know is kind of a sneaky underrated. You remember he dropped the gloves of Williams in the bubble and held his own. You could say he even won that fight. He won his fight on Tom Wilson revenge night. <laughs> he was the only <laughs> Ranger who won his fight. And then he goes after he you know he just goes after him like a like a rabid dog. And then you to you talk about Panarin throwing that hit. You know what? You saw how how 
pain Truba look, and he obviously he didn't want this to be the outcome, and he was he looked like he was really upset about it and upset with himself and and pained and tortured about it. And I think you could feel that the Rangers were like no, not not that they were tentative to be physical, but or no, actually, you know, they were tentative to be physical after that for a little bit. It was a little bit more stick checking and just controlled rub outs. The bite had kind of drifted out of their game, but then. Tr- Panarin throws that hit, and I have no way of proving this, but is that Panarin sending a message like, no, we don't stop what we're doing. We're getting after them. You know, like, fuck, you know, fuck these guys. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I can never prove it, but it it kind of feels that way. That was a reminder of like, I'm not gonna, like, we're not getting away from our game just because this happened, which is obviously really sad and unfortunate, but you know, I don't know. And And the Rangers slowly worked that physicality back into their game towards the tail end after obviously and rightfully so it like considering what happened it it uh maybe the it kind of got sucked out and there was a little bit more tentativeness in terms of it was just a little bit more strictly stick on puck and and making passes and stuff you know yeah and i i I couldn't even tell you how many times i've been popped in the middle of the ice uh whether i had you know the puck in my head up and you just run into a wall you're just like i i got angled here and you just know you're gonna get clobbered and then there are times where i've had my head down just been popped knocked out you know woke up you know blinking seeing the stars going around my head listen it's something that it's a it's a part of hockey right now because it's a legal hit and i don't think people so much really you know it's one of those things where it's reactionary right you see your player down you want to go after the guy that hit him but I think at the end of the day you know looking at the the replay a few times and usually if it was you know usually if it was you know kind of a scummy hit you'd already hear about you know a discipline or a hearing or just you know he's got a meeting you know with uh, player safety I, I haven't seen anything like that and nor do I think you know, he will face anything or a fine or a suspension or anything. You know, it's just one of those things where uh, nine out of 10 times, I think if he throws that hit, uh, you know, uh, what's his name who got popped would be perfectly fine. And, you know, unfortunately, it just was a, you know, uh, that one time where that one instance where, you know, he did get clobbered and, you know, he did get, you know, probably his bell rung, knocked a little bit unconscious there. But, you know, luckily he's okay. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it sucks to see and it's a bad optic. But for as many times as, as open height, open ice hits happen in the NHL, you know, if they want to change that rule, uh, some, I think it was Joe bringing up the fact that the NHL, the open ice hits have like dropped dramatically over the last like five seasons, only because I think guys are just too good and too fast and it's really hard to step up on people but yeah i I don't i don't know i for me it's just you're standing still with the puck you know with your head down it's like this this is not the level to be doing that i mean that's stuff that you're taught in peewees not to do so um you know hopefully uh you know he he gets back on the ice as soon as possible and he can get you know contribute again once again with uh, the blackhawks but yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, certainly a different dynamic, though, after that hit for about a few minutes. I thought, you know, that was the worst thing that could happen to the Rangers, you know, because Blackhawks were going to come out, you know, swinging. But, you know, Rangers, you know, weathered any storm that, that yeah. the Blackhawks might have thrown at them. And uh, then it, once the, I would say to jump on that, once Panarin scores that they score once the Rangers scored the go ahead goal after that. um I th- I think the Hawks kind of much like the Rangers the past few seasons just kind of rolled over and died. I mean, to give up that line, that goal to the fourth line and just kind of standing around staring at their feet after they were just kind of like playing it. The the Hawks were basically playing like the clock was running out and that they were thinking like the Rangers were going to like not keep getting after them and like grinding them down in the corners and then the fourth line scores another hard working intense gritty goal right in front of the net. Like that's that's stuff the Rangers were doing a couple of seasons ago, you know, right. and it's funny at the time it's just like, oh, you know, Andy well, back then would be like, oh, yeah, they were losing. And now I'm uh, I'm liking this winning feeling. And honestly, I was more disgusted with the Blackhawks and I was impressed with the, the Rangers scoring a yet another goal off of hard work and a great pass from Reeves. 
Well, um, am I wrong, Andy? I don't want to interrupt you here. But no, go ahead. It's a please. point to kind of go off what you just said. If I'm the Blackhawks, if I'm a Blackhawks fan, I am watching that game and saying I am one unlucky bounce away from actually taking the lead against her. You know how many chances I feel like Kane had? I mean, the one shot that he had, I think it was on the power play, and Fox's stick just came out of nowhere and tipped the puck oh up. Oh, my God. What, I mean, what an amazing play that was. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, Pat, who, Pat, who listens to the show uh, very often, uh, he texted up, me Pat? immediately. Yeah, and he goes, uh, you know, I'm more confident in Fox making that save than I was Georgie. And, and I, like Georgie obviously didn't have the correct angle or – didn't have uh you know the right read on the play knowing that the pass was going to come over to Kane and he's going to you know one time it but that was a goal that there were so many chances I feel like the Blackhawks could have had and scored upon that take over that game and they just didn't you know I don't know if that's a, a credit to the Rangers per se or more of just like you know just puck luck so yeah it was just bizarre how they rolled over and laid down even though I thought they were getting some okay scoring chances, especially on their power plays that they had. Yeah, and it's just, you know, the Hawks, I think the one thing they have done well since the coaching change to DJ King is, uh, although maybe not so much against the Rangers, but yeah, you could see they're definitely seeing about, well, this this team clearly has is a doesn't have all the makings of uh, a cup caliber team, but they obviously have some faster skilled player so they definitely are stretching the ice they're almost playing what uh the style that elaine vigna wants to play although just not as bereft of leaving you know they some of their d can actually get the puck up to their forwards which is all right but again it's just real strange spot jonathan tays coming back from missing time and you know there's it, it was still never said what it was or at least confirmed you know you suspect he had covid and then he had there was ramifications to that, but also, he, you know, he'd mentioned his mental health and other things, and he's just clearly not the same player now, and it, I don't think he's going to work his way back. It doesn't, he doesn't look like, he looks like he's aged, like, you know, five years. Uh, whatever it was he went through really took a toll on him, and it, it's, a, it's sad, it's a shame, because he's just, he doesn't have a single goal, and he just, he, he didn't look like Jonathan Tate to me at all during that game. And you have Kane, obviously, and Debrinkit, who can be dangerous, but that's really it. And then maybe a guy like Hagel who works really hard, but yeah, just a bunch of passengers on that team and just a guy, a bunch of guys looking around and looking at K's and excuse me, Taze and Kane to, to help them out of it. And it's not going to happen. So you have to wonder if, especially now that Jonathan Taze probably has no value. I mean, is Kane going to, are they going to trade, trade him? I, you kind of have to, right? Am I, am I crazy to say I, this? I brought it no, up on the podcast before. Yeah, they have no, I don't, I can't think of a notable prospect they have. Doc is clearly struggling right now. He takes a real bad and lazy penalty after a dumb giveaway uh, to Kako and then slashes him on, on, you know, stretches and slashes him on the wrist instead of just trying to like, you know, really skate up on him. And he's clearly frustrated. And it's, that's a tough environment for a rookie to be in, or even one who's been in at least in the league for, you know, he missed some time with an injury last year. Right. And then, uh, but, yeah, just you, it's hard for it to expect him to pull a, a lot of weight. You know, you could say what you want about Kako, and he's clearly struggled, but at least he has us. There's a supporting cast here to help him get to help him get up to speed. And now that he is up to speed, I would say he's doing some of the most important and heavy lifting on his line. And but he's ready for it, you know. And he knows that if he doesn't, he has competent uh, players with him to help him out. Whereas, yeah, I think Chicago's definitely seems like a bit of a rudderless ship right now. And they have to start rebuilding. There's no ways about it. They don't have any. There's no more help coming for them. You know, uh, I, yeah. Like I said, I can't really think of too many of their notable prospects off the top of my head. Not that I'm that familiar with their system, but uh, I think is a, is Jack Rathbone one of their prospects? He's a who's a defenseman. He might. I don't know. I'm gonna have to look this up. And make sure I don't sound stupid. But my point still stands. I just don't. I don't see what help they have coming that in a, any way they can. Oh, he plays for the Canes. Maybe it's his brother. I don't know why that popped in my head. Um, but again, yeah, I just, I don't, yeah, they don't have any help coming. I think you you kind of have to trade him, right? You need to get a for you can get some real good value for him, even at his age, because what if they hold on to him? Unless he's going to be a career hawk, and that's what he wants to do. 
I mean, you can't get anything for Taze. The Rangers say what you will, but they they flipped Nash, McDonough, uh, and you know their other regulars into players for this team, and they didn't hit on all of them, but they moved all those guys. Like you know, obviously they they some of them didn't work out, but they were able to get uh, Keandre, and they were able to get Nils, and they were able to get uh, 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 Jesus Christ. Um, Lindgren and and you know and yeah their picks were able, they were able to compile picks that kind of led to them drafting these guys and yes obviously Leas didn't work out and it's unknown whether what if Kraftsoff will come back or be traded for another player but obviously they were able to then flip Leas for the pick that got them Will Cooley who's looking pretty good so I mean I don't know who who has value that they are going to move you don't want to move to Brinkett uh, Taze has no value uh, maybe you. you sell high on Hagel and maybe you can get a second high second round pick or something or and you get a first for Kane to a contender at the deadline but if you wait till next year and he's a guy he doesn't exactly kind of kind of a floaty player as Patrick Kane as brilliant offensively as he is so I mean you have to move him I just don't see how you can't unless you're saying he's gonna retire he want he's got no movement so unless he wants to retire a hawk and suffer for the next couple of years I always had the sense he wanted to go to Buffalo whereas I feel like if you add Kane in the offseason to Buffalo and their younger guys get a little bit older and you'll have Alex Tuck, I think like you'll at least have the makings of a team that has the potential to go somewhere because right now I just don't see it in Chicago. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. As everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving new customers free shots at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, I'm looking at their uh, cat friendly right now. I mean, uh, honestly, if if I'm them, if I, I you can move Kane, right? I, I really think there's a lot of value. Oh, in yeah. Him. I think like, I think teams would take Patrick Kane. Oh, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Even if you like say you said, you know what, there's two years, we'll keep two two million. Like on, you know, we'll pay two of the ten point five million. I, I really think like now you open up to the entire league wanting him. Um, yeah. You know, I, man, I don't know, man. I just, but I, I do, I really kind of admire the fact that, you know, obviously they they signed Seth Jones to a huge contract, but you know, looking at their forwards, they don't, they only have one forward signed, Brandon Hagel signed into. Uh, 20 23 24 season so you know right now Kane unrestricted free agent Taze unrestricted free agent this is 23 24 the Brinkett becomes a restricted free agent uh Kubelik and Strom are off the books already uh the Brandon Hagel is signed for one and a half million which means absolutely nothing uh Borkstrom uh and then Kyra if that's even how you're I'm bad pronunciation I failed English uh, you know, Kirby Doc, obviously he becomes an RFA next year. Uh, uh, Reese Johnson becomes an RFA next year and Josh Slavin will be a restricted free agent that year. So they literally have like, I mean, they can rebuild their entire offense you know, by 23, 24 season. I mean, they, they can bring in anybody they could, uh, they'll have so much money coming off the books over the next, after, after this year and next year. Once 23-24 hits, man, Chicago, I mean, they can go on a spending spree if they wanted to. I mean, there's nothing they can't do. And they do have a lot of draft picks, not in 2022, but in 23-24. 
they it looks like they you know stockpiled a little bit and they have a ton of third round picks this year so um yeah they're probably best off trying to find a spot for Patrick Kane I don't know if he's going to want to finish this season but if I'm Patrick Kane man why wouldn't you just want to you know spend the next two years even if it's on a team like Buffalo I feel like you're almost in the same spot right you're not competing for a Stanley Cup you're hoping the team kind of can rebuild quickly and you can be a huge piece of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, it's not smart and they shouldn't do it. But I mean, if the Hawks retained 50% to bring on Kane, I mean, Ken, I don't know how much I said it, retention Andy, slot I, they have. I mean, can you imagine a Strom Kane Panarin line? You know, you would move, uh, Hunt would then just move, uh, either down to the fourth line or the third line. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, that's I mean, a... That, all right, that, you, you, you can't do this to me and then not really explore the the, the option. Right now, The what would you give up for Kane, realistically? Oh, well, that's, the, that's the thing, is that... I mean, obviously, it's easy for me to say crafts off because I feel like he doesn't want to come back. You'd have to give up a first to get him. You'd have to give out your first round pick. You'd have to give up Vitaly Kravtsov. Uh, I think the fact that Kane doesn't have any term beyond next season is actually works in his in Chicago's favor because then teams know that if it's not working out, they're not on the, the they're not on the you know they're not on the hook for very long. So you might have to give up two quality prospects and a first to get Patrick Kane, even at his age, because of you know he's still productive and he's you know. So I don't, again, it's kind of, does it make the Rangers a top flight contender? I'm not sure because again, that line, Panarin line is so productive and there's only so much ice time to go around where it's almost like because he can draw, you know, just because, because he can, you know, honestly, I can't believe I would even suggest this, but if you got him, I'd almost rather play him with Zabanajad and 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 Kreider. I know that sounds crazy, but Panarin he's gonna want to play with Panarin. I know he's going to want to play with Panarin, and that, I just but, and that's my problem with it because I listen. It's great, but Panarin's already line is already crushing teams, and it's just you know you bring Kane in. I want him to bolster other parts of this lineup. It's just that line doesn't get scored on. They're the Rangers' best. Him and Strom together. That's they're their best. Uh, line in terms of expected goals for and like limiting goals like chances against so i just don't it's just a over i think it just becomes overkill well you know what yeah. i mean i just don't no, think I, you're overpaying for overkill i think the only value kane would really bring to this team is if you put him to get mika going all of a sudden because mika can shoot the puck but he's been passing the Kreider. uh so i think that's the, the only chance you get in, the, the value you want is that you just have a dominant first line finally and that's not to say kaka's not doing an excellent job but then yeah then maybe you move Kako down with. Uh, I think that's the problem, though, is that it's like you know, and I will say this too. I it's not lost on me that I think a lot of the reasons this Rangers team is successful is because Turk likes to play a little bit more simpler style, and a lot of it is about balance. And I think having your your Gautiers and your Hunts and your Blaze and your Roonies and your guys who are just I'm forecheck like every shift like an MF or and create chaos. A part of me thinks that's kind of what the secrets in the sauce. And I think some, I think if you're too, you know, I listen, Kane is a superb, is an awesome player, but it was, you know, he got Panarin to buy in. I just, I have never seen Kane throw a hit in like on the boards ever. And that's obviously great. Like he was obviously so good for Chicago and their, their runs, but the rest of the team was like that. But again, I just think, I don't know. I, it's just, I I'm think put you on a spot, it, Andy. In a second, yeah. So be ready. All right. Well, I'm just to sum up what I'm saying is that yeah. as much of I as nice and I do think Kane obviously would make this team even more lethal, but I just think that what you would end up paying ultimately is just doesn't I just don't think you get the rate your your rate of return is very good because you give up a lot, especially if it let's say the Rangers, which most likely I don't think they will, don't win the cup this year. I don't I think having a chance to be a stronger team down the line once your Zabanajads and your Kreider, you know, if Kreider gets moved eventually for cap reasons or yeah, you're going to want to have something, some ammunition to at least 
you know, bolster your roster and to blow it all this season in a like found what almost seems like a found money season on a Patrick Kane on an expiring contract. I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, Andy, here I am. I'm going to, you know, it, it is it is uh, the holiday season and I'm okay. going to give you another scenario that we've spoken about. But okay. I, I think this one makes a little bit more sense because with Patrick Kane, it's kind of an overload on the right hand side of the puck for like like there's. You also don't want, you know, your right wingers, you know, like especially like Kako, you still want him to have a fair amount of playing time. And I just feel like bringing in Kane, that might be too much. You don't know where to stick him. You're going to have to stick him with Panarin because there's there's just too many issues with Patrick Kane. And he also makes ten and a half million. So, uh, you know, it would have to be like a perfect scenario in which, you know, Chicago retains a bunch of his salary. There's another player out there, Andy, that plays the center position and I think would fit right in with this team and you know a leader obviously uh a big time name is Claude Giroux who yeah I was just thinking that his last year of his contract is right now he makes 8.275 million he's a UFA after this season the Flyers are not going to do anything this year uh you know I would honestly be impressed if they were able to rally the troops and somehow sneak into that last wild card spot but they're just, you know, on a downtrend. Uh, it just—it's so tough for them right now. Uh, the score—they're not going to be able to score goals. They—they're—I I don't know. They have such a mess. The, Elaine Vigneault has absolutely destroyed this team. If you really want to speed up some sort of, you know, I wouldn't call it a total rebuild, but kind of like a revamp, you're going to need some sort of, uh, you know, uh, you need draft picks. You might need a prospect or two to kind of feel good if you're a Flyers fan the Rangers can do that. You give us Claude Giroux, you retain, you know, even if it's 50% this year, it doesn't really matter. We have some prospects for you. We can give you a second round pick or a first round pick if that if that's what you really want. If you value the the pick over the prospect or the prospect over the pick, we can go at any direction. And I think it really solves a huge problem for the New York Rangers. Even if they took Heedle in that trade, what an upgrade it is for the New York Rangers to bring in Claude Giroux to play center. I, I mean, where where do you stick him right now? Obviously, Mika's advantage at is, is you have Mika, Claude Giroux, and Strom as your one, two, three. Talk about, you know, depth right there. Yeah, and I mean, Giroux is also, if you remember, he's played, uh, he's a center, but he's also played on the wing he with wing, Couturier yeah, in the middle, yep. you know, so he can play on the wing with the line. And hell, again, every, like I saw, I don't know if it was even kicked out, but we see Kreider take faceoffs now and then because he's actually kind of good at him. We see uh, Lafreniere's taken a few faceoffs recently. Uh, and again, you could have Giroux take the faceoffs if he's better than Meek at the dot, but then just kind of switch for up the ice duties. And again, the, this Flyers team is clearly is shell-shocked and hapless, but Giroux has been the one guy who stood out to me in a good hit. Well, him and, and I'd say uh, Morgan Frost are the two, only two have really stood out to me this season for them in a positive light. And again, yeah, I think he, I think getting that Mika going is probably will be the biggest, uh, diff- well that, and then obviously sh- shoring up that third pairing. Cause again, Nemeth has been better in a lot of respects and he's good on the, and the penalty kill, but like he's, his puck management is really bad. And I could see him making some, some crucial mistakes that could lead to goals against. And I, I have to say, I think Nils is getting better and better, even though he's still, it's still overwhelming for him at times, but he's still, he's definitely more engaged and more confident skating the puck out. Whereas early on, he was just kind of trying to survive. You know what I mean? So well, about- getting him, getting Nils a partner that who's a little bit more confident should clearly be up on the list. But I think Drew would do a lot, especially with the fire he's shown this season when everyone else on the Flyers have looked uh, defeated, you know, I think would uh, go a long way. But I don't know if he's, hopefully he's, I don't know if he's available, but we'll see. What about uh, Keith Yan- bringing Yandel and Ugh, uh, Giroux? No, no, thank you. <laughs> Yan- Yandel's cooked, unfortunately. That, yeah, uh, the only reason he's playing that. is that Ironman streak. And it's, you know, it's sad to see, but it happens. Yandel's old too. He's 30. Oh, first of all, I want to bring that up. The Ironman streak, that, that, I'm sorry, but if you miss a game in the playoffs, that should count. Like, uh, yeah, I would say that. I, w- I would say, but he missed the game too. Uh, the well, who uh, scratched him in the playoffs? Florida scratched him in the playoffs last year. Like, well, didn't didn't they unscratch him because the team 
got was all up. No, he was scratched, but playoff games. So I read it. The playoff games don't count towards the Iron Man oh. streak, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah, listen, I get because I get it because for the NHLers, games played is such a hugely respected stat because it's so hard to stick in the NHL and not wash out. But I think you can see that Yandel is almost cooked right now. I mean, you can see Jonathan Taze is almost cooked. You see Yandel's almost cooked. And and I, I I should say this. Taze still has nine points. Whether how they happened, I, I'm not really quite sure. But it's and and, and got one guy's so cooked mean. might be another guy's to I know. I know that. But yeah, I just from seeing Yandel, he just he doesn't play defense. He's doesn't and he his main strength has been his puck moving abilities and he's just not doing that well. So I, I just can't, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Rangers clearly have options and they have a lot to think about. And I, I assume we've spoken about this, that Drury will be consulting and talking heavily with Turk about what he thinks their issues are and, you know, what do you need? A la, a la Mike Keenan bothering the GM constantly saying, I need more of this or I need more of that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they, they know that probably that third pairing right now is, is an issue for them. Um, but uh yeah, I mean I guess I guess we'll see. And the Rangers much has been made of the cap crunch that will eventually be coming for the Rangers even though they have some dead cap right now. Or I should say they have some uh available cap space right now. So, yeah, I mean if there's a shrewd mood to be had for a, a guy who's maybe not as puts you over the top as much but has more potential down the line, I'd be all for that too. But again, they have a lot of kids coming on the back end who should be good, but you know, it's there. They have a very strange window right now because you know that you can't keep all of Truba, Kreider, Strom. You know, if you want to resign your younger guys eventually. But you know, I think at this point you're seeing the writing's kind of on the wall for Hill, Phil Peel that as good as he is, he's just not a productive player, or he's not getting enough time to be productive. You know, I think Phil Peel is a is a is a, a kid who could do well on a team like the Senators, I could probably afford to play him or in a position to play him second line minutes for whether he's ready for it or, you know, or whether he's a true second line center at right now or not. Because as effective as he is off, you know, off the rush and, and as a one-on-one player, he doesn't have the vision on, to produce at least as a level commiserate, unless he's got like a supremely talented goal scoring winger on his line. So, uh, yeah, something to think about, you know, Especially now that there's talks that the Rangers might re-sign Strom, so who knows? Um, yeah, how about uh, Justin Braun and Giroux, and then you kind of give give uh, a package away of like a pick, a prospect, hmm. and uh... yeah, I, I, I'll, in being honest, I'm not sure how good. I haven't really kept tracks on Braun right now. I don't know how good he is this year or if he's. I know he's a little bit older, longer in the tooth, right? And I say that because he's my age. But um, yeah, I mean, again, I I would like to say that could be good. I definitely think Drew would be a great ad. You know, it's just it's just funny. I, I, part of me is like, thinks would a guy like Gallagher cost less? He's a little bit younger. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. It's just that's a tough. And he, I think he definitely fits this team's DNA to a T. Now that Drew doesn't, because Drew, you know, he's been playing really well. I think he's versatile and he can, he can, uh, he's not, he doesn't really shy away. He's not, he's a little bit, he's definitely more physical than Kane is, I'll say that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's definitely tough to think about and tough to see right now because especially it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I, I and you have to wonder how they feel in the locker room. So like, obviously there's teams that like having the vote of confidence. But then I think sometimes with a team that feel that they have the answer there and you want to know what you can get. And there have been teams that have made at least pretty significant runs while, yeah, have made significant runs while not tweaking too much or making just a very minor depth thing in case the guy goes down. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> is it a goaltender move? I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't We'll see. Maybe it is a goaltender move if they're not ultimately, if they think Igor sustains another injury down the you know the season or goes down for whatever reason but yeah they're they're definitely showing they have uh at least some faith in Georgiev to to get himself back on track so and he's on he's on his way so that's good yeah no he played well enough to you know to get the to get the win and you couldn't expect anything more from him last night 
Uh, tough one tonight, Andy, but you know, you got to feel real good and I'll kind of, you know, let you finish this podcast up knowing that you have a top five, uh, forward in the corner, top five forward in scoring in the NHL and the number one scoring defenseman in the NHL, both on your team, both in their prime, kind of leading us on a historic season so far. So you can wrap it up with thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. Obviously, Kale McCarr and Adam Fox in the same game should be a lot of fun because there's a lot of hand-wringing and arguments about who is the better defenseman. And obviously, it's like they have, uh, you know, uh, fervid uh, support in both of their camps. And, you know, they're two totally different styles of defensemen. Fox being a little bit more cerebral and a little bit more of a three-zone guy, whereas McCarr is also very obviously... He's good in his own zone, but his his real strength is the fact that he's a, he's got game breaking physical talents that can transport the puck off the rush up the ice and then just wheel around the zone. He's got a, a killer shot. So, yeah, and he's just, a you know, physically, he's just a monster in terms of his skating ability. But yeah, they're just two guys that get get it done different ways. So that will obviously be a fun matchup. Uh, Panarin has worked himself into some of the, the some of the best hockey I've seen him play ever and he's adding a physical element to boot like that line is not just uh, getting pushed around the perimeter if they're not in the perimeter because they have to it's just they kind of they win their battles and they, they they bear down harder than i've seen them before and they're yeah they're winning <laughs> they're playing winning hockey so and even after you could say a quote-unquote slow start and what's wrong with panarin early in the season he's already worked his way up to like you said he's like fifth in the league in scoring uh and he's gaining ground, and he, you know he's had what I forget. How many, he had seven points in his last two games against the Blackhawks. So it'd be great if we could play the Blackhawks and the Islanders all the time. He'd probably we he'd be you know he'd he'd be Drysdale McDavid. But uh, yeah, I mean, as long as you have players like that, you have a chance. But when you have players like that, and you have a team that is playing like a team and playing to their structure, and they listen that I'm they still have things they need to clean up. They still make some harebrained turnovers here and there and they have young guys who are guilty of that and they have even some vets you know like them that are guilty of that but for the most part they've they're usually pretty good and if they if they had make one or two bad mistakes that hurts them early on they usually are good the rest of the game they correct it so i think that's going to be the secret to their success all season it's been so far is that they might not be the best team and they might not even win all their games by looking the best or or being perfect for the whole game or flat out dominating but they're just their ga- Turk's game management is superb, and they're and thus the team in front of him, <laughs> you know, or in front of him on the ice. Their game management is superb, and they just they always play to the opponent in front of them, and they do what they have to do, and they manage the game the best. They, if they need a goal, they go out and try to get it. If they have a lead, they do their best to to not just shell out and play turtle hockey. And again, it doesn't always mean. Sometimes it means giving a little bit back on the rush at times and and maybe not stretching things out as much as they could when they need a goal but again they just they have confidence in their power play and they have confidence in themselves that they'll tie it up and they they have so yeah again uh so much to be proud of this team so far and again it's it's at this point it's like they will lose eventually obviously um but what if they didn't Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.